We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I forgot how good a guest Christopher Hine is because we get the Carol King walk-up music. That's his person. That's, that's, that's his person. Carol Klein, nice Jewish girl. How's <laughs> by you, Bobola? Made the luck. Come over here. Went to a, sing a sing a platinum song for went me. Went to junior high with Paul Simon, right, Chris? That's right. Yeah, they were, I think, classmates, and they sang demos for each other back in the day. That's yep. some talent contest you're trying to win. That would be awful for the kid playing the kazoo. Paul Simon is the musical guest on Saturday Night Live tonight, uh, as well as everything ties in I'm together. Tired of him and Carol King. Her album Tapestry is on the wall of Lady Gaga's character above her bed in A Star Is Born, which I bet Chris Hine knew. I, I did. I saw that movie last weekend. I, I, it was everything I could to control myself from uh, from yelling in the theater when I saw that. <laughs> I was not, was not expecting that to happen. Great. The reason we're talking with Christopher Hine, formerly of my Chicago Tribune, now of the Minneapolis Star Tribune, you heard coming in, uh, Rachel Nichols uh, interviewing uh, Jimmy Butler, the biggest fraud going in the NBA, which is really saying something. And... Um, Given his friendship with Mark Wahlberg of Entourage fame, I think we need to call him Jimmy Drama because it makes he's he's a bad actor. It makes no sense from down here. It looks like he just showed up to be a first team hypocrite and make things make himself the worst kind of teammate. What is it like up there covering this, Chris? It's it's the most chaotic thing I, I think I've ever covered. And I covered the Patrick Kane sexual assault investigation uh, when he was on the Blackhawks. This thing, you know, this is, it's taken so many odd twists and odd turns and, and he's sending out so many mixed messages and I don't know what I, at, at his core. I don't know what his reasoning is for wanting out. I don't know if it's about money. I don't know if it's about towns or Wiggins. It, it seems like every day his, his story changes when it comes to this, um, that he can't coexist with cat and Wiggins. And then you hear that he can't. And then you hear him say, it's not about the money. And then you hear that he's upset because they didn't renegotiate his deal over the summer. So there's just a lot of confusion, a lot of chaos, and, and I feel bad almost for Timberwolves fans up here who have been tortured for for much of the last two decades. <laughs> it's it's like they, they thought they finally had something uh, mm-hmm. when he came here last year that they were on the right on the right path in an ascending franchise, and and now the the rug is being pulled out from under them. That's well said uh, because it, it, it and really any kind of small midwestern team. These days in the NBA, this is how you get a star, is you find a disgruntled star somewhere and you arrange a trade for him and you hope to woo him and have him stay. And here it is getting so incredibly ugly so fast. Yeah, no, it's about them wanting me. That's what it's about. Oh, no, wait, it's about the money. No, it's, it's, about, it's about me leading them. That's it's not what, about the money, but you, $110 million isn't enough. Does he really... 
does he really believe that this is leadership? Like what he said, does he really think this is what a leader is supposed to do? I think he does, and I think oh. he's in the he's in the Thibodeau mold in that sense, where where he is like Thibodeau on the court. He 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 is hard driving and is ultra competitive, but I don't know that he necessarily has the cachet to pull that off in the NBA. Like it, it's one thing to be like a, a Michael Jordan and you know be the undisputed best player in the league and and be this way or or Kobe Bryant and be this way because you can see the results of winning but but Jimmy hasn't really done that in his career so far he hasn't he hasn't earned the stripes in that sense so he, he is very well liked within that locker room it, it, you know there's a lot of there's a lot of teammates there that that still like him that call him a friend and they hope that this works out, including you know guys like Taj Gibson and uh, Jeff Teague. Um, but I, I just don't know where where this is going to end up. Um, you know, every day you think it's headed one way, and then it, it zags and goes another way. How likely is Tom Thibodeau to get fired over this? I don't. I don't think he's going to get fired over this. Now, if if this plays out and they don't make the playoffs. Uh, I th- at the end of the season, I think that's a different conversation. And I think then uh, the possibility arises. And this is exactly why Thibodeau doesn't want to trade Butler, because in a sense he is coaching for his job and why he's being uh, stubborn in, in not really pushing for a deal or at least you know not willingly going out there and trying to actively court a deal because he is kind of coaching for his job. Glenn Taylor you know, had some interesting comments towards the end of last season, and you almost got the sense that if the Wolves didn't make the playoffs last year, that, that Thibodeau's job might have been in trouble. So there's, there's a lot of balls in there. I don't think it's going to happen now, um, but if, if this plays out and the Wolves don't make the playoffs next year and they just look dysfunctional, I, I could see a change potentially happening. Word around the league is that that Glenn Taylor might um, have to be the one who intercedes and gets a deal done because Tom Thibodeau, to your point, is asking for the moon. Uh, there was this story that just came out of Miami. Jorge Sedano of ESPN had the story that that Thibodeau and Pat Riley had agreed on a trade for Butler. Uh, Josh Richardson, now watch it, potty mouth. I will. Josh Richardson, Don't make me dump you and Dion Waiters. <laughs> And a protected first-round pick. Those pieces going back to Miami. And they had exchanged medicals, which means that the deal is basically done. And then Thibodeau calls back and asks for more draft picks. And Pat Riley, according to Sedano, called him a mother bleeper and hung up the phone on Tom Thibodeau. And, And at that point... This is when people expect the owner, Glenn Taylor, to step in and say, all right, fine, we'll make the deal. Don't worry about Thibs. And and is there a chance that that happens? Uh, if it hasn't happened, it's been a week since that happened. Uh, Riley came out and denied that, by the way, okay. uh, last late last night, uh, for the record. Um, but I missed the denial. If it, if, yeah, if it hasn't happened uh, within the last week, I don't know that, that Taylor is going to step in in a situation like that. Um, and that I guess that speaks to Thibodeau's unwillingness to make a deal here. Here, here, you think you're at the finish line, and then all of a sudden, here come these last-minute demands. Um, you know, I, I think Glenn Taylor wants Jimmy dealt. This is this is what I've reported and what others have reported. Glenn Taylor wants Jimmy dealt. He wants to honor the trade request, but he is leaving the handling of the negotiations up to Thibodeau and Layden. Now, you could say that that's 
you know, kind of two people tugging at the same rope on opposite ends here and, and they're getting nowhere. Um, so I, in that sense, it, it's hard to see where this is headed. And, and if at some point Taylor is going to have to intervene a little stronger, but even though he has told Thibodeau and Layden, he wants Butler gone. He has left the negotiations up to Thibodeau and Layden. That's why Jimmy Butler is still a Timberwolf uh, a couple days before the regular season. Talking with Christopher Hine, Minneapolis Star Tribune, used to be at the Chicago Tribune. He only works for Tribune, so the Salt Lake City Tribune will be next, apparently. The, <laughs> Maybe the Players' Tribune later. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so the idea that Jimmy Butler and Tom Thibodeau are making Gar Foreman look smart, being part of a smart deal, got out, got rid of a guy who was going to be a troublemaker. Do you know how hard that is to do? Do people in Minnesota realize how hard it is to make – Gar Foreman part of the the winning end of a deal because clearly the Bulls have won this thing. Uh, I, I would agree with you there, and and the, the thing with the Minnesota view of this is I, I don't think people are necessarily lamenting the loss of of Chris Dunn and Zach Levine in all this. Um, I, I think they are lamenting the fact that Laurie Markkinen was the was the piece that that ultimately got away in this deal. Uh, but you're right. This is, you know, it, it's basically a race to the bottom in that sense where it's like who, who is, who's got more egg on their face at the end of, at the end of this whole process. And the bulls actually in hindsight now look like the smart team in this deal. They, they really do. They got Butler out of there. They got, you know, as much as they could for him. And, and now I'm not sure what the wolves will end up with. At the end of this, if it's going to be pieces that they can build around going forward with Towns and, and Wiggins, it's just it's just a mess right now. Well, Chris, I, I want to thank you for joining us, and we'll have you on more often because I love the, the, the Carol King walk-up music. I'm a big fan <laughs> of that, and maybe Pleasant Valley Sunday. Maybe Mickey Dolans will be in studio. Is he still alive? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. I, there's only two of them. You, you picked you the know, right you know, monkey. Mickey, there's there's Mickey only two Dol- of the four monkeys, right? Or the, it's, it's funny. Davy Jones Dolan. is dead. Peter, York, uh, Peter Tork's alive. I think they're three out of four. Tork, Nesmith, Michael Nesmith. Nesmith's alive. Is he still dangling Don Kirshner out of the Capitol Records building? <laughs> That's a great story. Yeah. By the way, Mickey Dolans did a Carol King tribute album about six, seven years ago, so you can go look that up. Mickey Dolans doing all Carol King covers. No, I'd rather hear Carol King doing all. Oh, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> just, just another big sports station talking about Mickey Dolans and Carol King. Just another unpleasant Valley moment. Thanks, Chris. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Chris, Chris Hines, Minneapolis Star Tribune, talking to Jimmy Butler. It's though. the NBA where narcissistic unconscionably selfish behavior is celebrated and rewarded. So let me, Tuxer made a good point that Jimmy wasn't like this until he teamed up with Dwayne Wade, fellow Marquette player, that he got worse or, and I, I attribute this, this Hollywood act no, to, I don't, to I don't, being Mark Wahlberg. No, no, no. It, so where do you think this grows? No, I think, I think this has been in Jimmy. I think this has been in Jimmy all along. Joe Kim Noah, your guy, Joe Kim Noah noted this. Do you remember that quote? He said, Jimmy's really feeling himself these days. Mm-hmm. Near the end of that thing. Back in the day. And then meanwhile, when it was Jimmy had a chance to win a series or save game six against Cleveland, uh-huh. he couldn't make a basket. No, no, it was. He it, tried to take over, and I was like, this is a joke. This the is seeds one of the of worst. This, yes. Best the, player. The seeds of this were evident in the Jimmy versus Derek, whose yes. team is this right. stuff. And the seeds of this were, were obvious when Jimmy sided with Garpax over Tom Thibodeau. As that thing fell apart. And Tom Thibodeau, who helped build Jimmy into this and had Jimmy's back like nobody ever had, 
got stepped on as Jimmy got in good with Garpax. And then here came Fred, and he picked sides there. After having picked sides with a Derek thing, Jimmy is all about Jimmy. And a lot of these guys are, and they can get away with it. Whether you're a top-five player or not, you can behave like one in the NBA and get away with it. You can't pull a Kobe the way Jimmy did unless you have Kobe's five rings. That's it. Now, it's Jimmy not, it's doesn't not even true, have a though. final experience. But you can. He's pulling it, and he's going to get away with it. He's going to get his wish. He's going to get dealt to either Miami or the Clippers. I hope he gets traded. To, I, I would love to see him get traded to Buffalo, even though they have no team. <laughs> Our Rosenblum and Spiegel, we suck so you don't have to. Coming up, one of my favorite people ever to have dealt with, Darren Pang, will be here. We'll talk Hawks and Blues. Second half of the hour, Jonathan Taves, the interview he did on the station. We suck so you don't have to. The show's getting a lot better as we get near the end. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. You'd almost think Darren Pang was a sports writer the way we're playing Springsteen in the run-up to him. Panger, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, fellas. That's a great way to open up a segment right there with a little thunder road by the great Bruce Springsteen. That's it. it. That's it. Every sports writer has a, is a card-carrying member of Team Springsteen. Coming in, we heard Jonathan Taves talk about Corey Crawford. We will hear the full Taves interview in the second half of this. And uh, one of my favorite people in all of sports joins us now, Darren Pang, Fox Sports Midwest, the NHL Network. He's on Twitter at, at Panger40. And I was explaining to my partner, Matt Spiegel, that you were branding uh, elections for oh, postseason awards long before it became fashionable <laughs> with the shirt. Pang, easier to spell than Neuendike. Didn't do yeah, any good, right. but I really think the the effort was there. You should get credit for that, Panger. That was the genius of the great Lisa Seltzer, our, oh, our producer my... at uh, really? back then. And she, and she came up with that idea, and, uh, you know, we ended up, Actually, we ended up selling those T-shirts and gave gave it money away for for charity, and uh, it, it was it was a good idea. I think back now as a 23 year old um, rookie in the NHL, and I wonder now what my older the veteran players thought of you know that type of thing. But at the time, it, it seemed right, it seemed fun. Newendike was easily going to win it. it. We were <laughs> making a mockery of it, to be quite honest with you. He was that good. He was scored over 50 goals. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, maybe that helped me get to the. Uh, awards banquet and and i got to hang around with these great players that uh that won awards that year and uh and joe to this day remains a, a really good friend so it was pretty neat pretty neat reminds uh maybe not quite as selfish as theisman which rhymes with heisman dude <laughs> he, he, ch- he changed his name to rhyme with the award darren just ain't right yeah see that 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 that's a different type of um solicitation mine was for definitely for fun and uh self deprecating humor and uh and on the other side i don't think joe's was <laughs> so we're talking we heard jonathan tapes coming in uh the hawks and blues play tonight the evil dreaded blues are in town and um <laughs> the bloody rivalry continues and we're waiting to see Corey crawford return from a concussion uh i i've been they they're a lot higher on him they believe he's a lot closer i just didn't even think we'd see him again what does it mean what what Goaltenders you've talked to, I don't know if you've had a concussion. How does it? How do you get back on the ice after something or several things like that? Yeah, I mean his is obviously far more complicated than I than I thought it was going to end up being. Um, um, yes, did I, I return to the ice after having a concussion? Yeah, absolutely. I got uh, split open for about maybe fifteen uh, stitches playing junior hockey, and uh, yeah, a game and a half later, I ended up being right in the net and. I remember, I remember thinking the first high hard one that came towards my head, I was 
extremely sharp with my hands because I was afraid that it was going to hit me in the head. And that, that, that feeling of that puck going through my mask the first time, I didn't want to experience that again. Um, it's not fun. Uh, balance is everything when you're a goaltender, or in life balance is everything. But <laughs> if you're a goaltender and you're facing a shot and you have to prepare for a rebound, uh, move side to side, your balance has to be impeccable. When you're off kilter, um, then you can't do it. And the other part about a concussion is concentration. Um, you know, you're, 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 you're just not as focused. And, and if you're in the net and you're not as focused, well, you're not going to have success. So I did watch Corey quite closely today, and actually Troy Murray and I were, t- were talking about it. And Troy tried to throw a little, uh, uh, little bait on the, on the hook for me. He looked at me and said, oh, boy, it's going to be good to see Crawford playing tonight. And I kind of looked at him like, he's not playing tonight, is he? And, and he tried to get me going a little bit, but, but he looked very, very sharp. In fact, a week ago, I watched him in the morning skate in St. Louis, and I thought all the drill. Darren, we got you. I think we might have lost him. I think his cell phone had a concussion. Okay, well, we can try him back. I can't imagine, Steve, the way that he's talking about it, that you add that to the mindset. Like if you were not already impressed with the, the athleticism and the bravery um, of certain athletes to just go out there and subject themselves to the danger and the physical harm uh, of, of some of these contact sports or a goalie to, to get in there and just stand strong against you know, guys right there in front of him in the crease mm-hmm. and the pucks flying at you and you don't know where and all the dangerous potential. If you were not already, then add this idea that, oh, by the way, you could get a concussion or another concussion and it could lead towards the kind of brain injury that damages the rest of your life. It is. And you just know that everybody's going to buzz the tower. Right, Every right. other player. It's, it's, it's what we expect of these guys to be as brave and as comfortable as they've always been their whole life in the face of potentially having the rest of their lives damaged by yet another concussion. It's kind of amazing that we expect athletes to be that that consistently on point, isn't it, Darren? Well, it is, Matt. I, I, I think, you know, I, I, I just think that of all the, all the positions, it, it's the puck you're facing. And you are right about players buzzing the tower. I mean, uh, you know, Matt Murray's had three concussions playing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. When he returns, someone's going to fire it high and, and hard at him. That's just the way this game is. Um, you know, in the old days when goalies were getting a little bit timid, the curves of the stick were coming on, the pucks were going higher, the masks weren't very good. I mean, how many times you see Bobby Hall fire a couple of them real high and then fire a couple of them real low just to see where the goaltender was at? I mean, this is the part where it's, it's, it's no fun. But in saying all that, I'm sure that Corey's got the same mentality I'm going to repeat right here. If you're going to go in and you're going to put the pads on and you're going to return, you're going to return full bore. So when he's ready to play, it's going to be one million percent that he's back and ready to play. And if by chance something happens to him again, uh, you have to leave that to fate. But you, you, you certainly can't play at this level um, timid. You can't play at this level. Um, you know, you can maybe play less than eight, like 80%, but you can't play it at 40% and, and not all in. So when he returns, and as I watched him today, I mean, he did look very, very close. Listen to that interview with Jonathan Taves. I, I believe what Jonathan Taves says right there because he's the one that's on the ice with him. They're the ones shooting at him. I thought he looked terrific this morning as an example. We're talking with Darren Pang, Fox Sports Midwest, Blues and Hawks tonight at the United Center. Uh, one of the things interesting, Corey Crawford's trying to come back in an era where the second phase of smaller goalie equipment is being experienced. This is the better, tighter-wrapped chest pads, the leg pads 
took a took a shaving last year. Goals are up. I believe that's there's a correlation there. We might be headed back. Do you think we go back 22 years where Mario led the league with 161 points and 69 goals? Do you think we're headed back to that? Do you what do you attribute the Rays in scoring to? Uh, a combination of things. I, I think early in the season, I think it's hard to play defense. Um, you know, the systems are being sold by the coaches, but the players have to stop and start. They have to block shots. They have to put their bodies on the line early on. And, and I, don't, I don't think that uh, if you look at most games around the NHL that the players are quite uh, convinced that they're going to play that way right now. And that's why scoring's up for me. Um, I, I do believe that uh, um, lazy penalties have created a lot of power play goals as well. Um, on the other side of it, I, I do believe the goaltenders are having some adjustments with their shoulder pads and, and the way that the waist is fitting for them. I think there are some goals that are, that are going in that are going through arms and just finding their way through. Uh, the advancements that they finally have made with the pants um, last year and, and now the shoulder pads, a little more streamlined, um, not as broad in the shoulders. I think that's helped goal scoring. I think the goal, the goal scorers can see a little bit more net. I think they're a little bit more confident. But in saying all that, I think once we get to January, February, March, I think we're going to see it tightened up again because that's when the players start really tuning in, and that's when the defensive part of the game really comes to the forefront for me, especially with the good teams. Darren Pang right here on The Score. Steve Rosenblum is him. I'm Matt Spiegel. And I, I got to tell you, I found this fascinating. Uh, what Scott Powers of The Athletic had reported about Jonathan Taves' offseason, working with a local skills analyst named Brian Keene. And some of the things that they worked on, because Taves has been a hot topic, obviously, for a couple of years. The production's been way down. Um, but he says that with Taves, they worked on some skating deception, little changes of speed and reading when to skate or throw in a little bit of deception while someone is on you to create separation, using your eyes to take advantage, whether you're within perception, trying to be one step ahead of guys, not telegraph what he's intending to do. It's interesting because Taves is always so concerted and working so hard and very direct at what he's doing. But this idea of trying to gain a little deception and buy himself a little more space on chances, I think is kind of fascinating. And I can't help but feel like I'm seeing it in his much more productive start this year. Yeah. Jonathan Taves is back. This, this is fun to watch now. I was, uh, I was, I would be like everybody else watching the NHL. And and, and if you're a Hawk fan, you're watching Jonathan Taves last year and a half and you're saying, what's, what's going on and where is he heading? Um, is this the decline of a great player? Is it, has he played so much hockey that he's just flat out out of gas? Has he changed his diet to the point where he doesn't have the strength to out-battle players? There, there was a lot of questions, and uh, um, he's answered them all. Um, I like those points. I read that article, um, the skating deception and the creating separation. Um, very interesting. At the end of practice today, he was doing a lot of one-on-ones, and, and there, was a, there was just a lot of um, kind of jitterbug, kind of uh, – you know, deking, kind of faking one way, going another way. And, and he just looks explosive. He looks quick. He looks light on his skates, but he looks quick on his skates. And he just looks like he's not going to lose a battle, whereas last year it looked like he wasn't going to win a battle. So um, our league's a better league when Jonathan Taves is the kind of player that he is because he's so revered and, and so respected. So um, whatever he did in the offseason, he did it right, and uh, he's ready for an unbelievable season. Before we let you go, Panger, Blues, um, <clears throat> the mm-hmm. – there's some talent there. I always thought Jake Allen was like Greg Millen, just good enough to get your heart broken. What should? What are the legitimate expectations for the evil dreaded Blues? You know what, uh, Steve, uh, competing for a Stanley Cup again, getting back to where they were a couple of years ago when they went to the conference final, and it looked like they were a team trending 
north. And last year was a step back. But, uh, you know, when you look when you look at the team, I mean, Doug Armstrong put together a centerized position of Ryan O'Reilly, uh, Braden Shen, who had 70 points last year, uh, Tyler Bozak, who's been a 50-point guy and a right-hand shot, good on the dot, and then a young 19-year-old in Robert Thomas, a first-round pick. So I, I think he's got way more depth in scoring, Steve. I think they lacked it when Jaden Schwartz, who will not play tonight, um, but when he was hurt last year, the whole team went south offensively. And now you've got Patrick Maroon is, is here, kind of a net front guy. And he's a guy that grew up uh, with the St. Louis Blues, living in St. Louis. And, and he talks a lot about the rivalry between the Blackhawks and, and the Blues. So, you know, he loves that part of it. Um, they get offense from their defensemen. Um, and you're right about Jake. I mean, this is a, an incredibly huge year for, for Jake Allen. And being consistent all season, a little bit rough, but I, I, I think he played really well in the last game. And uh, as a team, I just can tell you that they feel like they're going to be a top team um, in the National Hockey League, and that's their expectations. And uh, we'll see we'll see how that goes. But they've got way more depth now than they certainly did uh, uh, last year, and even the year before that. All right, and everybody remember, Pang. It's easier to spell than Tarasenko. That's the way I'm going with it. <laughs> Darren, thanks for your time. Always good to catch up with you. Thanks. Always my pleasure, fellas. Take care. All right, thanks, that's Darren. Darren Pang, Fox Sports Midwest. Blues and Hawks. Take a break. When we come back, we have uh, the captain uh, on the other side. Rosenblum and Spiegel, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Bottom of the hour was brought to you by Timeshare Exit Team. Another year stuck paying your timeshare's annual maintenance fees. If your timeshare is no longer working for you and you need out, call Timeshare Exit Team. 844-915-EXIT. 844-915-EXIT. Or visit timeshareexitteam.com. And the Wolves are playing tonight. They open that 25th anniversary season tonight at Allstate Arena. Rolled back concession prices, Stever. Free parking presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Kia dealers. Visit chicagowolves.com for tickets. Don Levin, Wolves owner. Just... Terrific. They they get every it's Wolves Day in Illinois. It was declared as such and or this weekend and good for them. He's a, been a terrific owner. They've been a, put out a terrific product and they're certainly worth supporting and they are wonderful whether it's families, yep. whether it's groups. I've had great times there. Yes. Lindsay yes. Lindsay Wilhite does a terrific job. Uh, doing what he does. And uh yeah, I was lucky enough to drop the puck. Me and Ruben dropped the puck one night. It was awesome. <sighs> Look at that. I know. Drop I, the puck. Got a, got a picture of both of us in Wolves jerseys and dropping now he the puck. Thinks, now he thinks he gets to do that every time he goes to a game. The most spoiled little <laughs> sports kid in the history of the world. Can't be bothered to watch a baseball game with me. All right, we have people to thank. We're going to walk you up to McNeil and Parkins' interview with the captain, Jonathan Taves. You heard him earlier. You'll hear it in full. It was a, a really good interview by a guy who doesn't always interview really well. Yeah, Jonathan, he was good. Jonathan Taves is not the interview he is uh, as a hockey player, but this was well done. Sahadab Sharma of The Athletic joined us, talked some Cubs, J.J. Stankovitz, NBC Sports Chicago, David Schuster, talking movies and bowls, Christopher Hine talking about Jimmy Drama up in Minnesota, Darren Pang, you just heard him, I love Panger, talking blues and hawks. And we are going to take you up with the Taze interview to Purdue at Illinois football after the Illini till 10 p.m. Julie DeCaro and Maggie Hendricks. I want to thank Zach Withers and Eli Herskovitz for producing this epic. Steve Rosenblum, Matt Spiegel. Saturday suckage. We suck so you don't have to on Chicago 670, the score. Captain, my captain. How are you, John? I'm good. 
Danny, how are you? Everything is good in our world. Uh, looking forward to having a few minutes of your time this afternoon. Tough one to stomach last night. You get a point, but because you can't finish a couple of periods, that's uh, that's a tough one to take, is it not? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, uh, I think even considering how we lost, our goaltender, Cam Ward, played great, so we're we're lucky to be in that situation, but I think we're we're playing some good hockey. We just need to be a little bit a little bit tighter uh, in our own zone. You're playing some wildly exciting hockey. Uh, do you think you guys are ever going to have a regulation game again? Not looking like it right now, but hopefully, yeah, we can uh, close out the last twenty seconds of a game like that, and we'll be all right. Uh, everybody's jaw has dropped at uh, your play. Number nineteen. It's like you've discovered the fountain of youth. Does it uh, does it delight you to hear all those accolades? Or you wonder if, wow, was I really that bad a year ago? <laughs> well, there's no doubt it's it's been tough. Uh, you know, the last couple of years it just seemed to be fighting the puck and trying to find confidence, trying to find just just getting in the flow of things and not not thinking too much. And I just think in a lot of ways of coming to this year more more prepared than ever and now I can just go out there and just kind of set my game free and, and turn my mind off and go play and have fun and I just think it's uh, nice to see the, the puck going in and I'm clicking with my line mates off the hop so it's, it's only four games but it's been fun and, and uh, feeling like it's going to continue. It looks different. D- does it feel different to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel good on the ace. I just feel like my timing is good. Uh, you know, the legs feel good. Got some jump, a little bit more speed. And like I said, uh, did a, a lot of off-ice preparation with, with our trainer, Polly Goodman, this summer. And, um, you know, feeling good on the ice. So, you know, when you feel good like that and you're confident, good things happen. Jonathan, there's been a ton of conversation, and I know you hear it and you read it, about whether your team's window of opportunity is open or it is closed. How do you feel about it? Well, you know what? I think a lot of people want to uh, pit our team against former cup teams. They want to talk about, you know, uh, um, the amount of games that guys like Duncan and Siebes and Kane and myself have played and at the end of the day, I think there's just so many teams across the league that, that honestly think when they make the playoffs this year that uh, they can they have the team to make a run at a Stanley Cup. And uh, so, to me, I think we're we're uh, we're putting the past behind us and taking this one game at a time. We know it's going to be a challenge, but uh, we keep getting better and better. There's uh, there's no reason why we can't do anything special. We can't grow and, and improve and build on that confidence as the season goes along and. Get to the playoffs, man. You never know. Uh, mm-hmm. You never know what can happen. We're talking to Jonathan Taves here on the score. Does it feel at all different to you to have doubt around you? Because you guys have been the favorites and you've been the hunted, and now in some ways you're hunting the rest of the league. I mean, that's 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 fine with me. I think it's uh, it's such a tough league to try and stay on top for an entire season. And everyone wants to look at the big picture, and maybe it doesn't look so good to some people. But like I said, uh, you know, even the years that we, we did win the Stanley Cup, we didn't go into it with that mindset. We took it one day at a time. And if you try and uh, try and think that way, and you look at the the 82 game season or uh, a two month cup run, it, it seems like a little bit more that you can handle. So 
Uh, you take it one day at a time, and, and you keep getting better. So I think that's what we're trying to do once again. Jonathan, how is Corey Crawford, and what have your conversations with him been like? As uh, as much as you're willing to tell our listeners. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I'm I'm happy uh, happier anybody just to see him do well as a person. I think he's just in a good place. He's all smiles every day. He seems to be making progress. He's he's working hard on the gym and on the ice, and he's taking care of his body and giving himself a chance to heal and to get back and play. And I just think uh, mentally and emotionally he's in a good place. So I think that's number one, especially when you have an injury like he had last year. And, uh, you know, I, I really am confident he's going to be ready to play pretty soon, and he's uh, he's taking good, great strides. So it's been a lot of fun to be around him and, and have him back in the room. So, uh, you know, I, I'm excited to see when he can make it back. You you also have had a, a history of, of concussions, and it, it's something that your game, unfortunately, is not taking a very serious look at. I have to think that you've had conversations and that Crow has had talks with medical people, with with family members. Are, are you feeling comfortable that you guys will know when the symptoms of having many concussions are, are are so pronounced that it's in your best interest to tuck it away. Yeah, it's unfortunate. So many, so many athletes, so many people have had to kind of deal with some really, really uh, tough experiences and, and, and a lot of suffering for there to to even be a conversation about how serious it is. Uh, you know, it sounds like a lot of people being overly dramatic, and, and it really, it really isn't. Uh, it's a serious thing to have a brain injury and there's so many different types and symptoms and just, uh, at, the, at the end of the day, I do think that the science and the research and, and the ways you can treat it are getting better and better. Um, there's a lot of things out there that you can do to, to kind of recover if you're a young hockey player or some kind of athlete that's had a head injury. But I think in the NHL, the tough thing is that there's not a whole lot of communication between these experts and, and, uh, different areas and i just think people have to be on, on more on the same page as far as trying to, to improve things and how our concussions are being treated so i think that's part of the responsibility in the league right there jonathan taves with us on the score if we can go back to you and, and your off season you know, i read the a piece from from scott powers recently about some of the things that you were doing on the ice you know in terms of working on your speed and and balance can you just tell our audience what your off-season training program looked like to get you back to playing this way this season? Well, I'll tell you what, it was harder than it ever has been in, in the gym for uh, the early summer months after the season. Um, so in that sense, I, I felt more prepared and just got my body to a place where I can perform and and, and do, uh, do things, just my conditioning, my strength, my power, and do things on another level on the ice where uh, – Getting back to the ice, um, you know, a lot of a lot of the young players nowadays are all coming in with with tons of skill, and they've been working on the edges and skating and the puck handling and just uh, feeling comfortable doing really awkward uh, co- coordinated movements. So I've been working on that quite a bit, and um, so it's, it's good it's good to get back to basics and work on all that skill work. And everyone knows you're big into nutrition, uh, but there is some debate. Like, and there's always, you know, we said we were having you on, and people are like, "Oh, ask him if he's eating meat, or ask him if he's a vegan, or <laughs> is he on the paleo diet? Like, what, what does Jonathan Taves do to stay healthy?" So, so what's your current stance and approach to nutrition right now? 
Well, I'll say first and foremost, I think it's it's a huge part of it. I mean, I've learned a lot from guys like Duncan Keith and Johnny Odea, guys that are constantly like trying to get better and, and, and improve their recovery. And I just think, you know, it was a, a huge part of our success in the playoffs is just to be able, be able to sleep well and recover when you have triple overtime games and you're flying across the country and whatever. Uh, it makes a difference in the long run and, and at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not a vegan, um, so for the people who keep asking me that out there, okay. I mean, these teeth their own. I think everyone can find something that works for them, but there's no doubt, like, finding, um, you know, eating good food that get rid of inflammation and help your body heal, I think, is, is super important. So there's a million diets out there, but you can find a little bit of everything that maybe works for you. Uh, Canadian Thanksgiving, I believe, was was just the other day. Was it? Was it not? I don't know if that's walleye with sweet potatoes instead of the uh, <laughs> pan fried uh, onions and uh, and uh, palm de terre, as they say, because everything's written in French where I go up near Cottage in Northwest Ontario. But uh, do you allow yourself some treats? Uh, yeah, a little, a little turkey. It's pretty much the same thing. Uh, but yeah, the Canadians like to, I don't care. It doesn't matter if you're still in the States or what you guys like to get together and celebrate Canadian Thanksgiving. So I, I appreciate that. So, so what's a, what's a cheat meal look like for you? Or do you like, when's the last time you had a slice of pizza? Like how, how serious are we talking about here? Uh, well, pretty serious, but I, I guess here and there, some little things that I allow myself to have. I think it's always good mentally and your body, uh, your, your mind appreciates it. So, uh, yeah, I, I do enjoy pizza and stuff like that. Oh, good. Early, earlier, he's human. Earlier yeah. this week, uh, <laughs> I was uh, Googling pictures, Jonathan Taves fishing, and I found an Instagram post where you're, you're photographed with a muskie, which is my favorite fish to target, but you said it was Dave, your, your charter boat captain, and you want, I don't know how old that post was, but have you boated your first muskie, Captain? I mean, I caught one years ago, but it was just kind of a lucky catch, and I think it was uh, oh. during their spawning season, so it wasn't the real deal. But my, it's my brother David in the picture, and he's uh, he guides as a summer job. He uh, he played pro hockey for a little while, but now he's uh, he's working as a guide in the summer, and he he knows all the spots on the lake. He's a fisherman, so I just tag along with him, and he's usually the one who has the knack and is able to find the big fish. So. What's your what's your favorite fish to target? Are you a walleye guy or or what? Sturgeon? What do you fish for? Yeah, I love walleye. I like getting out with my my brother, and my dad, and we just get a little little cash before dinner every day. So it's it's a nice way to get out and get your mind off things and just get out in the quiet on the lake. Jonathan Taves with us for another couple of minutes on the score. You know the nickname. Oh, I was just going to say, hopefully, fishing is well after ice out next year, like at the end of June instead of like at, at the beginning of of May. That would be great. Yeah, that, that's that's the goal, right? <laughs> that's that's the plan. I don't I don't plan on getting that good at fishing or golf for a long time yet. So, well, I, I was I was good. Yeah, fo- focus on hockey. I, I was going to say, like, you know, you're you're a pretty studious guy. You know, everyone knows now about the nutrition thing. You've been pretty open about how much you care and have learned about the environment. Uh, what are you interested in these days? I mean, Hawks fans want to get to know you. What What's interesting at Jonathan Taves these days? Well, I mean, a big part of why I got on social media to begin with is to kind of promote my foundation. Obviously, i got to get up to scratch with that, but... Uh, uh, we're we're starting to work with a group called the Green Bronx Machine. We've we've already put a bunch of uh, they call them learning or, or uh, 
tower gardens in uh, in schools across Chicago where kids can learn everything about the environment and healthy eating, and they can grow vegetables in their own their own uh, uh, their own classroom. So they've taken pretty quickly to that, and it's been pretty cool to see the success of that so far. So uh, that's kind of one of the things I've been passionate about, and, and kind of a good way to give back in the community here. That's, that's very cool. I, I wonder in what other ways, if any, Jonathan, uh, being a veteran and becoming now an older player, and as, as Eddie O likes to say, an elder skatesman, uh, what else has changed for you as you look at your sport and where you fit into it and where you are in terms of being a part of this community? I mean, uh, lots. Uh, the time time's flown by. You know, like Duncan Keith is playing a thousandth game on on uh, Saturday, and uh, the guys that have been around for a while, we just look at each other and we we're kind of amazed how how much our team has changed, how much the uh, the guys and you know the girls on our team, the girlfriends and wives, and uh, just the whole group. Um, a lot of young faces, and uh, we've all changed quite a bit too. So it's. Uh, kind of nice to see the evolution and, and um, you know, just to enjoy the, the different stages of your career. Are you enjoying it more than you used to? I mean, yeah, I think that's part, a big part of trying to be successful on the ice is just getting back to enjoying it and, and forgetting about the pressure. And I think you're going to be the best you can be when you got that young, youthful mindset where you're going out there just to play and have fun and compete. And, you know, your skill takes over in that in that case. So uh, I'd say we've had a good start as a team. And, you know, we got a lot, a lot of uh, improvement, a lot of potential ahead of us. Yeah, I was going to say, because you said earlier that, you know, you feel like this good start, it's going to it's going to continue. What what gives you the confidence that, that these four games, that's going to be what we're going to see over the next 78 and then into the playoffs? Well, we've seen some young guys like uh, – Henry Yokiharu and and Dominic Cahoon get on the uh, sorry uh, get on the on the score sheet, but I think there's a lot of young guys too on our team that are uh, just kind of waiting in the weeds, and they're you know they're gonna still show they they got a lot lot to uh, a lot of ways they can contribute for us. Well, Jonathan, thanks a lot for the time, man. Don't be a stranger to the show. It's exciting hockey you're playing, and it's fun to see you back to looking like the captain of old. Absolutely. Good catching up, number 19. Have a great weekend, man. Thanks, Danny. Dan, thanks a lot, guys. Good talking to you. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.